Today in Movie Rollers, we talk about The Killer, American Fiction, Dream Scenario, and The Holdovers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wallace is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres on the video online streaming on the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Applause. That's about really? as quickly as I could do. Wow. I did it quickly because we have four. I know, that's, that's a lot. Four movies to talk Bumper about. Bumper episode. Yes. Award, <laughs> pre-award season is upon us. That it is. So. Lots of movies. But it's good. Yeah, People have been all the good stuff's coming supposedly. Yeah. The, the yes. season picks up. It? The season picks up again. We put these podcasts out as regular as regularly as we can. We've had some kind of fits and starts this year, so you know this year's been very uneven. Thanks for sticking with us. I hope your subscription didn't expire. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's here, here. We are fourth quarter as always with all the good stuff coming out thick and fast. So I'm excited to talk about a couple of these movies actually. Yasti, I think you've seen... One out of the four. You've only seen one out of the four. Goodness me. Don't shame was, him. No, I was out of town. No, that's right. Yeah, you were in the desert. I was in, I was in the desert. Then I was... Where else was I? Yeah. Where, yeah. where were you, Yasti? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Yes. Do we have time to talk about Netflix picks or we'll skip that? I think this? we should skip them. We have a lot of film, a lot of ground to cover. And all these right. are all important... Oscar bound films, seemingly from their buzz. Prestige. Prestige films. Films. We should fire the intern that produced this episode. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) For not getting us uh, organized enough to know whether or not we're doing Netflix. Okay, no Netflix picks this week. We will be back with some more in a podcast near you soon. Uh, Yeah, let's get going then. So we have four movies The Killer, American Fiction, Dream Scenario, and The Holdovers. Yasdi. Get talking about the killer. So one of my favorite American directors who can do no harm is David Fincher. I'll watch anything he makes for as long as he makes it. He is up there amongst a group of directors. Tarantino is another one. Scorsese is another one. They just have such a good grasp over the craft that they're incapable, I think, of making a bad looking movie or a badly constructed film. Even the good ones falter once in a while. So I was very eager to watch this film, but I didn't get a chance. This was the one where I actually showed up at the wrong cinema when we had the screening. So I showed up at, yes, I showed up at AMC Fashion Valley instead of AMC Mission Valley. My, what a fashion. No, the other way around. What a fashion and a mission makes a difference. No, it was the other way. You went to mission instead of fashion. Fashion, right. I'm all about the mission and not so much about the fashion. But anyway. (laughs) In fairness. Yes. Like 90% of our screenings are at the Mission Valley. I know. But and the still. Fashion Valley pops up once in a while. I know. And you're also an idiot. And I didn't want to be a <laughs> control freak by saying in advance, <laughs> no, but that's yes, fine. do you remember it? No, which I get fine. to do with Joe a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm, I, would make, I would never make these movies if Rashmi wasn't dragging me around. But the good thing about The Killer is that it's right now in theaters, but very soon 
Yes. Be, uh, I believe November 10th, it will be on Netflix. Yes. So nobody has to go look for a cinema. They will have to just go to their televisions and watch The Killer. So The Killer is the latest from director David Fincher. The writers credited to the movie are Andrew Kevin Walker, Alexis Noland, and Luke Jacquemont. And the movie stars Tilda Swinton and Michael Fassbender. Tilda Swinton can do no harm. Michael Fassbender has been out of contention quiet. for a couple of years. Yeah. He's been very quiet, but he has two movies coming out this year, uh, two big movies. This is the first one, and the next one is a movie with Taika Waititi, where he also plays the lead role. And that's a, kind of a, f a fun sports film. So I, I'm eager to see what Michael Fassbender has to show us. And this film is an original piece of work. The one-liner at IMDb states that after a fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. That's the a huge the is here. spoiler. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, the other day I, I read something. Not your fault because it's on the IMDb. IMDb the other day I read something whoa. else. And I was like, why are they even mentioning this? Because it's a huge spoiler. But anyway. It, I'm it, so glad I didn't know all the things that you just said. Everyone, like, block that out of your memories if you okay. intend to watch this movie. Yeah, and okay. I told Joe that the, another actress was in this movie because we didn't know anything about it. And I did spend half the running time anticipating someone. <laughs> That's actually quite good. I think what we should do now, the game should be we have to tell each other wrong log lines, not read them and see how that changes our perception of the movie. Okay. Yeah. So it's based I, on a graphic novel. It's just come out. Tell us, do people need to put yes. this at the top of yes. their list yes. on Netflix? Yes. yes. Go, go watch this in the cinema if you can. If you can't, don't worry. It will play as well in the on your own screen. Although I think some of the cinematography is pretty, pretty good and worth watching in the cinema. I thought this was a really good movie. It's really a showcase for Fassbender. It feels very John Wick-esque in terms of the fact that it's built this interesting world it's not john wick at all don't expect john wick other than it's got some killing in it but it's that same kind of like it's got this secretive underworld with its own rules and things that are going on that we don't quite understand but it doesn't matter fincher is uh, usually a hit for me i love fight club is one of my all-time top 10 movies i love the social network Many of his movies I really like, and I think I'm happy to say this is another one I really, I really enjoyed this movie. And I can talk more about it, um, but I'm I'm fascinated that there is a whole the, f the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie there isn't a word said, and it's all about Fassbender. It's funny you perceived it that way because there are lots of words said, but they're in voiceover. Yes, and yes, yes that's you, true. You You're right. Yeah, you mentioned that this was a graphic novel. I didn't know that about this movie. In fact, there's a lot I didn't know about the backstory of this movie. Um, because what I'll say is, again, it's what Fincher does very well is he, he, you know, sets up a world and a character. And French is known for his precision, right? He's the hundred take director yeah. that shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots. And then he assembles it all in the editing room to, you know, put something together that's impeccably tight, where every scene does exactly what it's supposed to do. And this movie does that. It opens into a, a single character on his own um, in Paris in a room 
talking for a very long period of time. It feels like a, a very long period of time before anything actually happens. But by the end of it, because so much of it is done in voiceover, you know who he is, what it's about, what... And so it sets the world up really well. And again, I'm a little annoyed that the log line gives away a key element of what then happens because the inciting incident in a movie literally made my jaw drop. Mm. And at that point, it sets us off on a ride that is done in a John Wick-esque James Bond international man of mystery type way, mm. like secret agent. Um, and it is set up in, in the world of John Wick in the sense of this is an assassin who has incredible resources, right? Mm. We're talking multiple passports, disguises, dis lots of things that in the, in the real world would be very hard. And a graphic novel character is exactly what makes sense. It's like we believe in Bruce Wayne as Batman, and it can be done with very similitude in the same in the way that you can believe that there is technology. But at the end of the day, it's a comic book character, and that's very much what this is. So it's a very stylish movie. It's very, it's very well crafted, and it's polished to a fine sheen in the way that Fincher always does. Yeah. But I really did enjoy it. I, I remember leaving the movie and thinking, I don't really know what that was about. Because the story could be written on a napkin. There's not a lot of plot here. It's just very handsomely done. And again, knowing now that it comes from a graphic novel makes perfect sense because it's a, it's a single self-contained story about a character that's very interesting, that doesn't need a whole lot of setup, but that just is who he is and goes through what he goes through. And the story is told and you walk away and you're like, what really happened there? Nothing really happened there, right? Lots of things happened, but it wasn't a well... Yeah, it wasn't, it's like, full, it wasn't a full story. Yeah, it's like a gourmet meal that you can't remember. You know, when you go to those really good restaurants and you have this amazing 10 course meal and every course is delicious. But when you look back, you're like, what did we eat? I don't yeah. know. What did we eat? Oh, there was a smoky box. Something came in a smoky box and there was some trick. And, and then you're like, what did it? I don't know. It was really good. It's like one sure, of those. Yeah. And like the original John Wick movie, it doesn't really matter who, why and where, because there's lots of questions. Who are they? Why did they? What is, it doesn't really matter. All you know is that there's this force, there's that force and there. But he's, I think the character himself, the killer, is really good. And it's, he's almost a bit Dexter-ish to me. It, it brought vibes of Dexter, the precision and normally in a John Wick or like an assassin movie, you never have to dispose of bodies. I like how this one had to take care of some things that you don't normally see in a Bourne or a... Mm. John Wick or uh, there's other people to do all of that stuff but in this one he's got to be very self-sufficient so mm. that's very interesting like he, he's left to his own devices and what does he do and how does he do it and you do have that feeling of walls closing in a little bit and it's very thrilling it's quite a thrilling movie yeah and it's very stylish it's, it's very stylish say, it's entertaining in the way that you know how when in, again John Wick's a great comparison because you know how when John Wick walks into a room and there are like 18 different assassins and he seems to have a sixth sense for where they're all placed so that when some when when he shoots one guy in the knee and as he turns around to bend over he's got another one shooting over his shoulder there are moments like that in this movie where something happens just so the right moment in time that this character can take advantage of a vehicle that's passing by or so again it's all very stylishly put together is it cartoonish, though? No, not it's at all. It's serious. No, it's serious. It's not played for laughs. Do you find John Wick cartoonish? 
Yeah, I mean, cartoonish in a broad sense, not cartoonish yeah. as in funny, haha. Cartoonish yeah. in, in terms of implausible. Do you find the Dark Knight cartoonish? Yeah. Okay, because that it's done with that yeah. same kind okay. of. Okay. There's the, there's things that just click together Stylish, just right. Yeah. I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but when you understand that this character has seemingly infinite resources, like some someone could not possibly have the resources available that this character has available to him. And I'm not talking about secret weapons or laser pistols or, but there, there's just an infinite budget to do mm. infinitely budgeting type things. It's almost like he's got his own travel agent, right? So he doesn't, but he seems to be able to get anywhere get in the world anywhere. at any time as anyone else yeah. undetected at, a moment's, notice, at yeah. a moment's note. Yeah. So it's got that kind of playful cartoonishness about the world, the real world doesn't feel like that, at least not my world. Um, but then again, I don't have infinite resources. <laughs> so School. It's very handsomely made. I did find myself sitting uh, back admiring the movie rather than uh, going on the journey with its character. There are some very dramatic moments in terms of what happens to him and the world around him that I think should have given me more of a gut punch, but uh, very fun, very stylish, and again, this is a very easy watch movie. Recommend it to everyone, 8 out of 10. Yep, same. I really like this movie. I'm going to give it a 7, but I really, it's a high 7. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's more me than you, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's an, really it's an good. Movie. Really and good. Fastbender is brilliant. Fastbender is brilliant. Um, Not Oscar, but very good. Only because the material isn't yes, Oscar worthy, agree. but in, in how he plays this character, yeah. he's absolutely brilliant. And Tilda Swinton is in this, so, who again, she plays she a kind of an outlandish, cartoonish, uh, super villain slash. She's got this gravitas about her. As soon as she walks into the scene, we don't look at anybody else. She completely steals it and she's absolutely fantastic. And everyone else around, it was very good. All right. If anybody wants to purchase the killer graphic novels, they're available individually. There are several volumes. Oh, good. Or, or you could buy the whole entire set, which is available for a paltry sum of $250. Wow. Oh, and Christmas is just around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a movie all as gift. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would be interested. I would in love to see more. Them. I want to see more of this character. I was just going to say, I hope there's a sequel. I hope there are sequels. I hope this is a series. It's a great character. I would love to see what adventures he gets up to. Yeah. No. And who he has to kill. And and how he got to where he is. Again, all, yeah. all, what, 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 what's beautifully done about this movie is none of that stuff matters. Although yeah. we have questions, right? Yeah. How does he get to where he is, who he works for, yeah. how they find their business, how he gets clients, how he gets paid, how, yeah. how is he, like, he's an assassin. Yeah. Because remember, now we have a series, which is the prequel to John Wick on... Yeah. Uh, is it Peacock. Peacock. Called the Hotel, something hotel. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a prequel to, yeah. So All should right. we move on to our yes, next one? Let's, let's do it. Let's move on to American fiction. American fiction. So every year, the Toronto Film Festival and the Venice Film Festival kick off the prestige films and they kick off the continental sorry they kick off which is the hotel yes they kick off the award season because the films which are in contention to be players in the for the oscars race start to get released there this year 
all of those films, the big budget names, your Yorgos Lanthimos and your Finchers and your Scorseses and all of those had their movies shown at the Toronto Film Festival. And but Tor- not Wes Anderson. But <laughs> Joe, Why are you looking like- at me when you say that? <laughs> so the winner of the People's Choice Award at the Toronto Film Festival has a very good track record in terms of eventually going on to be at least a major Oscar contender, if not winning Best Film. And to everybody's surprise, amongst all the big players that are in there, the film which won the audience about this year was the film American Fiction, which is a first time offering from a debut director and the only the only uh, big name actor here is what's his name Knight Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey, Je- Jeffrey Wright. Wright Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright so all of a sudden this little movie became the engine that could and it's uh, now has a lot of weight carrying on its shoulders people have a lot of expectations and it's been picked up for distribution and here we are the movie one liner is as follows a novelist who's fed up with the establishment profiting from black entertainment black in quotes uses a pen name to write a book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and the madness he claims to disdain. It's written by Cord Jefferson and Percival Everett, and it's directed by Cord Jefferson, and the film stars Jeffrey Wright in the main role, as well as Skylar Wright and John Ailes and many others. John Ortiz is in this as well. Is there a reason to have hype around this film? The both of you saw it. I was, again, very eager to see it. Wholeheartedly, yes. This is, um, it's a commentary on so many things about race in society done in a very intelligent and playful way, but it's just, it just carries, it, it says so much with what it has to say and it's not shy about going there. Now, <laughs> there are, there's going to be a lot of opinions about this material, I think, when it gets a kind of a wider release, just because I think it it says as much about black culture and white culture and the interplay of the two in in its very own kind of... It's a unique way. I haven't really seen it done this way before. I think it, it's very clever. But again, I, I, I struggle to put into words what I liked about this movie. I think it's very funny, very witty, very insightful. It gives you lots and lots to chew on. In terms of, I've been. This is the movie that, when I said at the beginning of the show, we're really glad that I want to talk about this because I think there's lots of debates that happen within our household about race that I think this movie provides lots of substrate for, and it it does it in a way that is enviable, right? Somebody has crafted this movie from nothing, from a blank sheet of paper, put it into, got it made, and breathed life into it. Jeffrey Wright is fantastic. Third Oscar. It's as good as he has yeah. ever been, and it's not a diff- it's not an easy character. He's quite kind of spiky, not very likable. He's a bit of an ass. He's arrogant to the point of disliking him, and yet you see him caught up in this thing that becomes more than he ever wanted it to be. Yeah, this is very clever stuff. I love this movie. This is like that golden gem that you find at a film festival that literally I'm hoping will rise rise to the top of the pile. It's exactly what Joe said. It's one of these, it's not super flashy, it's quiet, it's reflective, it talks about all the things we talk about. It, it talks about aging and it talks about sibling rivalry and how 
caring for older parents. It talks about race and it talks about wealth and it talks about biases and it, pop culture. Yeah, pop culture, like expectations about who you are meant to be versus what people want you to be. And is all the commentary from a racial perspective? No, it's from every lens, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a predominantly African American acted movie, but it's it, it could be any. It could be substituted for oh. any other. But the central theme, the central uh, thing that comes out is it's a literary work that is very heavily racially charged. So again, it yeah, I don't want to give anything away about this. Yeah, it's just that the the core of the movie has this kind of statement about black pop culture, white perception of black pop culture like all of those conversations it's really good again write that oscar nomination for jeffrey wright he's so good i only felt the only thing i found annoying in this was i think sterling sterling k K brown overacts a little bit in this but he has a tendency to do that i think but other than that flawless really good movie okay yeah i think that that's the thing it's very much about the conversation that it sparks and it it puts i think everyone in an uncomfortable position right these are thoughts that we've had in our head it says what we have made what we may have thought that isn't necessarily in line with popular opinion or popular you know, the political correctness but it, it does it in a way that's just again deeply insightful in its voice and and clarity it has clarity about it you think it should get recognized for absolutely. original script as well absolutely yeah yeah again i think the idea itself is actually very simple but it's not the idea that is the genius here it's the characters it's the way they respond to the situation it sometimes pushes plausibility and it's not slapstick funny it's actually done with the right tone um, there are some very funny moments in it of absurdity, but the character is very believable and his response to um, everything around him is exactly the kind of response that I have and to, to many situations and, and things. And um, he isn't, he's intellectually arrogant, right? There's that about him which makes him very spiky. Not too dissimilar in some ways to the character that we're going to talk about later in The Holdovers, Mm -hmm. because he's not necessarily the most likable of individuals. But yeah, just very cleverly written. So I think the writing, the directing, the performances. Yeah, this is a movie that I think gets everything just right. And I think because of that, it ends up being more than the sum of its parts. Mm. Because on the face of it, this is a very simple premise and script it's just the way it goes about its business and it's very funny it's very it's not like it's not actually like a comedy but it's very funny no there's a there's a a level of authenticity to the dialogue yeah um there's a wonderful brother sister relationship in the brother relationship and a brother yeah uh where but the brother sister relationship they have a, a very short conversation early on in the movie in the car which which literally had me laugh out loud because it it was real but they spar with each other but you can feel the love in the relationship and the fact that they've also been through things together so very real yeah this is a a, a, 
It's a stage play of a movie. Don't don't look for big special effects, CGI and <laughs> sweeping landscapes. This is all taking place within the normal world in very few locations, but it does it really nicely. I'll score it. Gosh, eight is so stingy for this, but that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm, yeah, I want everyone to go see this. It's, yeah, it's up there on my list of movies of the year. I agree with you, Joe. I want to give it a nine, but I think I'm going to give it an eight. This would be a Yazdi eight, seeing as Yazdi hasn't seen it, an eight and a half that I'll back down to an eight. Mm, okay. No, yeah, all of these, this was shown as part of the San Diego film International Festival, Film correct. Festival. And obviously this film is getting a lot of buzz for end of year awards considerations. So yeah, I can see why it would pick up an audience award at a film festival simply because the way that these awards work is you come out of the movie and you have a little piece of paper and you have to say, was this good, know, great, whatever. Yeah. And this movie is so thought-provoking and... It gets at your intellect, right? And whenever anything challenges you in that way and you feel challenged and you feel that it's it sparked a debate or a discussion, you absolutely will rate it. I, in my world, at least, I will always rate those movies higher than ones where, oh, that was okay. But yeah, it's good stuff. Very good stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that it'll make any kind of Oscar other than the performances. The performance was excellent. Yeah, but I think, again, I think writing rewards may be up yeah. there as well. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Very good. Movie number three, then, is Dream Scenario. Again, Yazdi, I think we're going to... We're leaning on you heavily for these intros today. I know, I'm working my butt See, off. See, that's what <laughs> happens when you don't turn up to the movie. <laughs> I was traveling. So the latest film... From A24 is Dream Scenario. A24 has been releasing a lot of films this year. I think they were all uh, waiting for the actor's strike to resolve and it hasn't resolved and it's two more months remaining. So now they're starting to release all their prestige films. Here's one more from A24. It's called Dream Scenario. It's from the Swedish director, sorry, the Norwegian from Norway director, Christopher Borgli, who has one previous movie to his credit as a director. This is the second film. He also is the lone writer for this film, so clearly this is something which comes from his brain. And it has a most fascinating premise, which is that a hapless family man finds his life turned upside down when millions of strangers suddenly start seeing him in their dreams. When his nighttime appearances take a nightmarish turn, he, Paul, is forced to navigate his newfound stardom. The movie stars Nicolas Cage in the lead role, Lily Bird, Julianne Nicholson, as well as Tim Meadows. You guys saw this one as well at the San Diego International Film Festival. Tell us about Dream Scenario. It's a guy who shows up in everyone's dreams. What do you do with that? It's a really good movie. It's a really, again, interesting idea. And it has, it reminds me of, that. there was a Woody Allen movie called To Run With Love, 2012 and there's a segment in that where a man becomes famous for no reason mm -hmm. and it, in italy yeah, yeah, yeah. and it feels like if you pulled on that string a little bit you would get something like this movie so it really reminded me it, it took me back to that type of something's happens it's not science fiction but somehow this man starts appearing in everyone's dreams and and then the consequences that happen with that 
It's really good. Nicolas Cage delivers. It's a very vanity-free performance. It's very believable in an unbelievable way what's going on. It's beautifully quiet and it's a good exploration of kind of what happens when someone who is an arrogant fellow who feels like they are owed something. And again, it had hints of if you ever watched Breaking Bad, the Walter White character, Mm. Kind of someone who is, who, who believes in their own special source so much, but never gets recognition for it. And all they ever want is recognition and how they feel all the time. That kind of the chip on the shoulder. Really good. Really interesting. Really enjoyed this movie. There's actually a similar theme between American fiction, dream scenario and the holdovers. Right? Yeah. In terms of somebody who has failed to live up to their own expectations of who they are. Right? Who they They've, think they are. They failed to establish their greatness, yet they still have within them this core belief of greatness, right? But they don't necessarily execute on that. This movie is the biggest and deepest exploration of that particular theme. Yeah, he suddenly starts popping up in people's dreams and it makes him a celebrity and he becomes famous for... For nothing. For showing up in everyone's dreams. And I think it's a tremendously clever premise, right? That then I think the movie and the writer struggle then to know what to do with. And I think the beginning of the movie is just, it's so much fun, right? This phenomenon starts happening. People start recognizing him. And the way it starts clicking, it builds very slowly at first, but then the pieces start coming together and you're like, wait, what's going on here? And then he realizes and you realize. And so this whole world and a set of events kind of start happening all around it. Cage here is absolutely brilliant because he's bewildered as everyone else, but then he gets a little drunk on the celebrity of it all. And, and Cage does that so well, right? He's, I'm a huge fan of Nicolas Cage, isn't actually, I'll just say that. I'll yeah, just lay that you are. But he plays the bumbling professor type very well. And then you can see that the Walter White character, the ego kind of start to puff up and his chest starts to stick out a little bit. And uh, But I don't know that the movie then resolved it very well. In fact, I'm, I'm struggling right now to actually remember where it went because the setup was so good, but the resolution seemed a bit lacking. I felt that as I came out of the movie, I, I, again, I think... I don't really think I understood it. I don't think it answered the question that I wanted to have answered, which which was, what was this about? What was the thread here? What was the... It took us through this great set of events, sure, but what was the deeper meaning of it all? And I don't have the answer to that. And maybe that's more than they were setting out to achieve, but it lost a little bit of steam in the final act. I think the, the end of the movie needed to have something as clever as the device yeah, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And it didn't deliver that for me. Yeah, agree. Great beginning and middle and then, yeah, a little lacking at the end, but still very good. Oh, no, this I don't want anyone to not see the movie because of that. But I, I think it, it could have been The Matrix. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could have had this societal impact because yeah. it's a really clever setup. The way... It, it starts to happen and it's just it's very it's so inventive I don't know that I... yeah and I feel like it's the, the cleverness of the movie is holding up a mirror to us as a society absolutely and saying and that also the same of American fiction in a way 
both of these movies have done a really good job of holding up a mirror to society and saying how shallow you all are. Right. Like how easily you're um, bamboozled, how easily you fall in love and fall out of love with something. And look at what what gets created and how we suck you all in. So it's really both of those movies, I think, are very good at holding up the mirror um, to us as a society currently. Really good movie. I can wrap this one up. Not much more to say. Again, great acting in this one by by Cage. Easily another eight out of ten for me. Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight here as well. Again, a very engaging, thought-provoking movie here that brings some wonderful ideas to the table. I don't know that it knows what to do with all of them, ultimately, but watching the progression of this character as portrayed by Nicolas Cage is, again, one of the, one of the great moments in cinema this year. I won't forget this in Ari. All right. Good. If nothing else, it seems both of those films provide great opportunities for unknown writer-directors to break into the scene. Yeah. Because they're relatively new. Like, this is a person who's only made movies in Oslo, and this is a second film. And It's absolute proof that a good concept and good writing can get a movie made that doesn't need to have a $100 million budget. I think, I'm not saying that these movies were, were cheaply made. They look very well, but... The, the point is the genius and the work here has been done in crafting something unique, something that I don't think we've seen before in either in either example. So exactly right, Yasti. I think it's always good to see that the most effective tool in movie making seems to be paper and pencil. Let's move on then to the, the holdovers. Yes, finally, we've got to the end of the podcast. We're doing really well. 40 minutes because Yazzie didn't see them and he didn't oh no I'm so, just so joking <laughs> just kidding he'll get his chance here, I know so. I will. <laughs> how many pages yeah, no. how many pages of notes for this just one just an hour and a, page uh-huh. and a half a page and a half okay. hour and a half yeah. okay we'll, yeah. we'll, stre- we'll stretch that to 90 minutes all right Rashmi go tell us about the holdovers okay so another prestige movie from acclaimed director Alexander Payne the holdovers follows a curmudgeonly instructor played by Paul Giamatti at a New England prep school who's forced to remain on campus during the Christmas break to babysit the handful of students that go nowhere. Eventually forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged brainy troublemaker played by a newcomer called Dominic Sessa and with the school's head cook who has just lost a son in Vietnam, who's played by Devine Joy Randolph. So again, directed by Alexander Payne, written by um, David um, Hemmingson. This also stars the lovely Carrie Preston Brady Hepner, Ian Dolly. There's a performance by Tate Donovan in here. And we just saw this one recently. Yazdi, what did you think of The Holdovers? Alexander Payne has produced some pretty remarkable films. Yeah. Like Descendants and Sideways and gosh, so many others. Downsizing. And then, yeah, his last mm-hmm. film was Nebraska. Downs- Nebraska, which, which I, I didn't loved. care for, but... And then his last movie, Downsizing, was this really wobbly sci-fi-ish tale, which it, it didn't really do much for me. In fact, it annoyed annoyed the life out of me. So I think his stock had fallen in Hollywood. And I think this particular film is a really wonderful welcome back for Alexander Payne. This is the, for me, the writer-director who kind of amazed everybody when Sideways first came out. And this has... I think it's on the face of it, the the plot for the film is very straightforward and it could be the basis for any number of 
Hallmark Channel movies around the holidays about the curmudgeonly professor who his heart thaws and all of this nonsense. But the film never once steps into sentimentality. The film, we'll talk more about this, but the film is so smart about grief. It's very difficult, I think, to do a movie which is genuinely able to speak to grief, I think. And, and this movie does a really good job with that. I fell in love with all of these characters, the good and the bad. I cared for, and I'm talking about the three main characters, the Paul Giamatti, the newcomer, Dominic Sessa, and then Divine Randolph Joy. It's a winner. It's a full-out winner for me. And it's uh, mostly, be not, not because the movie's doing anything unusual, but in that the movie just hits like it's a dance and it, it, it doesn't miss a step. All the dance steps are perfect all the way to the end. What Yassi said... I love this movie. It's a perfect end of year ensemble, which is so perfectly played emotionally. And it's got that kind of dead poets essence to it. Mm. It's also about, yes, you always say this, people who don't know they need each other. Mm. And the joys of those unlikely friendships and relationships that take you to a new place. I love this movie. Joseph? Yeah, I I don't think I hold it in quite the same esteem as the That's because you have no heart. <laughs> there's a degree of... <gasps> yes, you say it steps around sentimentality. I think, sure, but there's a degree of preciousness to all of the characters. And I think maybe that's because I sometimes find Paul Giamatti a little inauthentic. Mm. He always has that same kind of troubled persona here and here with some prosthetics and eye makeup and all this kind of stuff so was here. that prosthetics i assume so yeah. i don't know that Paul I, was it cgi has, yeah yeah i'm assuming it's like a prosthetic eye so the character the main character is, has a lazy eye or it looks has, like yeah. he has a glass eye maybe it's not very clear yeah, there's, yeah. There's, he has clearly some kind of a problem and so one of the, yeah. the things that he says in the movie is people often don't know how, which eye to look into right. because his eyes don't both look exactly in exactly the same direction but nonetheless i find him a bit inauthentic he's always that kind of on the verge of welling up inside because of all his pain and that's why you hire paul giamatti i get that but i've seen it so many times that i, I don't buy it as much as I, I should do and i needed to buy it for this movie to work fully on me i also found yes dominic sessa did a great job here playing the angus tully character but it didn't have the same impact on me as what was that wonderful movie about the boy in the 70s from last year Manchester oh, no, the one that you loved about the little boy in the school yeah I'll, I'll find it or even something like gosh it'll come to me but because it had a very unusual name Hmm. Anyhow, so again, I thought I, I, you were thinking about Lucas Hedges. I was like, why didn't they hire Lucas Hedges for this? Yes, he, that's he a is, great he's point. He's the quintessential yes, yes, guy yes. for this role. Yes. But maybe he's too old now, but yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It'll, it'll come to me. But yes, it's very well made. I think um, it doesn't hold a lot of surprises at all for me. I, I, again, I'm being more critical of it because you two have gushed and I'm trying to find reasons why I didn't feel that same way. And, mm. and honestly, I think it's a very well-made movie. I'll say right off the bat that my score will be 8 out of 10, so don't get the sense that I didn't absolutely love this movie. But there was something that held it back from really resonating with me emotionally in, in, in the way that I think it could have. 
I agree with you about the. I almost thought that that what's I've forgotten his name again already. Stessa. Dominic Stessa. Yeah, I almost thought that Dominic Stessa was playing was almost too old for the character he was playing. But then he explains that he's been in. He's yeah. had to be in school for six years longer than everyone else. So I don't know if that was a concession because they wanted this character and they wrote it that way or whether that was the way the story was written. But you're right. A Lucas Hedges would bring a little bit more heft, I think, to the role, a bit more nuance. But this is a debut performance. We shouldn't be too hard on it. Other than that, I just feel like it was... Yeah, sure. Have we seen these movies before where an unlikely curmudgeonly man's character gets changed that's the arc right that's the arc we're all looking for so i like it from that perspective and i think it's got more than what we've seen before in the sense that this is a man who has stopped himself from living in a sense and gives himself permission to live so i really liked it really worked for me i know exactly what you mean joe when you say that probably in the first five minutes of the movie you know exactly how it's going to end totally it doesn't quite end like that, I think, ultimately. It ends ends differently than I thought it would. Yeah. But you know the beats of the story. Sure. But for me, that didn't prevent me from not just enjoying it, to wallow in the warmth of it. It was, it was like going back to my favorite restaurant. For me, I, I, it, the movie felt like a giant hug to me. And very often we get asked, can you recommend a movie? What's good playing right now? And I often recommend movies and then I realize, oh my God, this thing had a whole bunch of nudity, or this thing had people's heads being decapitated. So then people come back and say, what were you thinking? I saw this with my, with my kids. <laughs> yeah. And But this movie is one I can recommend to a seven-year-old, maybe not, maybe a 10-year-old, all the way to grandma, right? There is a sweetness to it. It completely follows the expected arc, but it does it with so much... Um, goodwill and I don't think it's over I think this movie could have been so much more sentimental than it is for example I think the the Devine Randolph Joy character is actually surprisingly underwritten but she is so good or I don't know maybe it's written to fool us into thinking it's underwritten because she plays it so well but I ached for her and I initially I did not and I felt that she seemed to be pretty well adjusted, but as the movie goes along, my ache for her grew more. And Same. then by the time it happened, it was just so devastating. What it's doing with all of these characters, even the the Paul Giamatti character, because you expect him to have some that his heart is going to thaw. But ultimately, what you find out about him explains a lot of things. I definitely didn't see that coming. So... I also enjoyed the fact that this movie is very old-fashioned in its look. It's old-fashioned in terms of how it's constructed. It has all these scene merges, like one scene slowly dissolves into another, which we don't see, which makes it feel of its time. And then considerably, I think in the last third of the movie, you realize it's set in 1970. I I figured out that this is not contemporary because originally I thought it, it was set in contemporary times. And then I realized, no, their clothes are different. Nobody seems to have a cell phone and so forth. So I I think it's also very successful in being not a movie set in the 70s, but it feels like a movie made in the 70s that we are getting to see right now, which I also think is an accomplishment of the film. I find those kind of things gimmickry and annoying. Yes, it's possible to digitally recreate some pops and scratches on film stock. And 
Yeah. Where's your heart, Joe? No, no. <laughs> uh, it's just a personal thing. And I think that may be what, what kind of set me up for a little bit of folded arms at the beginning of the movie and not let the movie fully into my heart because Argo also did that Correct. same kind yes. of With thing. With the WB yes. right. right. We don't need that, right? I don't think it adds anything to the texture of the movie. You're not fooling me that this was filmed but in I, 1970. And I like it. The fact I that like things it too. in 1970... The things, the fact that things in 1970, the, that that was how. If he had maybe shot it on 1970s equipment, and maybe I would forgive it. But we have much cleaner techniques now. Don't do that stuff. It's just it's gimmickry. And it rubbed me the wrong way with Argo as well. Oh, I loved so, it in Argo when when the WB the yeah. old yeah, logo no, came up. Oh, I was like, like, yeah, look at how clever you are. You can use the computer to do special effects. Yeah. No, we don't need it. It didn't. The story <laughs> does not need that. Now, the movie I was thinking about was Armageddon Time, and that, yes. that movie oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really drew me into its atmosphere and world without any of that nonsense. By the way, I'll add, but there's I, no I, nonsense here, Joe. <laughs> come on. What? No, Joe, there wasn't. Film there's stock no scratches, one. clicks and pops, fake reel changes. Come on. That's not fake reel It's just a stylistic <laughs> thing. We don't do that anymore. If you watch the films from the 40s, 50s, they did that How all the time. How is that in service of this story? It's, it's not. It sets it, it's it sets it apart. It sets it apart stylistically. I, I want to watch a 4K clean projection on my screen at home. I'm just being curmudgeonly because yeah, you, you are. guys are gushing. Because you're, 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 like you're like the main character. You've been possessed by the Paul Giamatti character. <laughs> Correct. By Paul Hunnam. <laughs> but no, Armageddon Time worked well for me because it had a stronger sense of place and time. And I think the emotionality of the journey of the boy was done much more through the boy's eyes rather than the adults. And the, this movie was very much the Giamatti character that we were following and feeling for with the... And I think the more emotional story for me was The Boy's Journey. But again, the choice that you make. You put Giamatti in lead and you know what you're going to get. And he's, I don't want anything to suggest here that I didn't love this movie and this character. Because you've already given it an eight. Yeah, it's just there's bits and pieces of it that I'm like, oh, come on. And I think that's the thing with Alexander Payne. I think he's hit or miss, right? Nebraska had the black and white gimmick. Yes, he didn't care Mm -mm. for that. Downsizing had the whole sci-fi angle gimmick. Really, that story didn't need that. It ended up being a story about something else and not so much this shrinking world, which was a gimmick. If I was to suggest an improvement give him to notes Mr. give us if give I was going to give the esteemed director yeah. Alexander Payne <laughs> yeah. notes from Joe of Movie Wallace fame <laughs> and success it would be lay off the gimmicks dude no you'll make, it, you'll ba- make a better movie <laughs> no, I, I really like this movie I'll recommend it to everyone I can don't get me wrong I just think that there's I think and that's why I'm on its case a little bit because this movie should have been a gut punch for me. I should have been in tears. I should have felt very emotionally moved in a way that I was frustrated that I wasn't. It has all of the ingredients here. Armageddon Time is my reference movie because it comes to mind. It left me feeling very emotional, very touched, very moved by the whole story here. I didn't have that experience. But it's still a very accomplished movie. And again, I think Giamatti could expect some end of year uh, awards love he's as good as he's ever been here mm-hmm. school oh eight okay yes the yeah i just love the writing in this movie I, I wanted to mention that as well the dialogue is really good it also i love how there's some degree of grief associated with the Devine joy randolph character and how that's played out it's just done so beautifully and so sensitively i love that 
I love the fact that there is a character of Miss Lydia Crane in this movie played by Carrie Preston and I that love her. that is handled so wonderfully. Yeah. That whole arc is done phenomenally well. There is these other three or four boys initially that they're all part of the holdovers how some of them are casually racist and that that used to be that used to be the syntax yeah, no, in the 70s boys school yeah boys school so i think it it really gets a lot of those touches right unlike you i was very moved i had a lump in my throat at the at different points in the movie okay. and it really worked for me i think paul giamatti was very famously left out of oscar mm-hmm. nominations for sideways when mm-hmm. Thomas Hayden Church and Virginia Madsen, I believe, got Best Supporting nominations. But And Sandra Oh, didn't Sandra Oh? Sandra Oh did yeah. as well, I, I believe. So I hope this time fate is a little bit kinder to him. I think he really deserves it. It's such a stock character that he adds a lot of texture to it. I believed it. And it's the one movie this year that I can recommend to everyone. Eight and a half out of ten, which is I'm going to back down to an eight. But God knows it deserves more. It's We need these movies. Yeah, it's another eight from me as well. And I love, Yassi, thank you for reminding me. I think this has that whole, not just the racism, but there's also this quite interesting narrative about wealth and have-nots and the 1% and how this school is made up of 99% of the one percenters and that whole kind of where that gets you and who you know and how you know them. Yeah. So I think it played with that whole theme as well. Also Fantastic. Great, also great production design because the movie's set in 1970, 71 time frame. Yeah. And there are a lot of scenes in outdoor Boston. Yes, and I, don't know I was how looking at the colors. I don't know if they use CGI or what they did, but there's a lot of outside scenes. They were very, very careful. careful with camera yeah. placement. Yeah. And I think maybe erased anything else with CGI. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was all very believable. Yeah. And I'm hoping for a Best Supporting Actress nomination for Devine Joy Randolph. Oh, yeah. I thought she was good. fantastic. Yes. There was this real warmth and pain and but not showy yeah it was it was a really like a underplayed um nuanced role that's very difficult to do you always use rashmi's authenticity yes i I believed everything yes and the fact that she's a cook and she's not a good cook that kind of was funny it was a funny joke and let me just say it there is a period towards the end of the movie like 20 25 minutes where she just disappears from the movie yeah. Right? Because she, the plot involves her going and spending some time with her sister. Yeah. And when she comes back, I missed her. I was like in the movie, yeah. I'm like, oh gosh, this movie needed you. Where did you go? Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. So that's saying something. Yeah. No, absolute steam sealer. I think she's, she really nails every, not every line, every word that she, that she had to deliver. Yeah. So four really good movies this week. Yeah, it's that it was. time of year. Yeah, you happen to see movies which are all in high contention for yeah, the Oscars. Totally, so, yeah. and all of them are. Shout except out to the, the San Diego International Film Festival. Is yes, it, is it the San Diego International. It is the yeah. San Diego International um, Film Festival. Yeah, we'll we'll try and cover that again. I think next you know, year. I think early on in Movie Wallers, we we did some coverage of that, Correct. but. Then it came at an awkward time with travel and work and all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff. We haven't really been participants in that, but we did speak to a couple of the organizers uh, while we were there. And again, what I have to say is that they do such a wonderful job of bringing in the buzzworthy movies from various film festivals over the course of the year. They've always done that and they have the advantage of being so late in the year that they can really cherry pick those. But for those of us that live in San Diego... Do check out San Diego Film Festival. It's wonderful that we have a group of people in town that put so much energy into programming and putting that together. 
It was wonderful to see it so well attended. Yes, it was um, packed. It was held at the Arclight yes. Cinema in UTC. Which is now the AMC. Which is the former Arclight, and my heart still weeps. The AMC UTC 14, which is in the Westfield Mall. But it was really great to see... I always think about life in terms of who's in our Venn diagram, right? Who do we overlap with? And it was really wonderful to see all of these film enthusiasts. And if you listen to us, I would count you in that same group. So it was just so nice to see the energy around that. And yeah, we will probably do some coverage hopefully next year if calendars allow. All right. Yep. And there are even more award worthy prestige films coming our way. I know the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie is coming. Poor things. (laughs) Uh, Rashmi, you'll be happy to know that the next film from uh, Emerald Fennel. Oh, yes. Who, who, who did? did uh, yes, the uh, woman. What woman? Desperately seeking? No. No. Uh, something woman. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, her new movie. Uh, Sol- Promising Young Woman. Promising yes, Young Woman. Love that so her movie. next movie is called Saltburn. That comes out also as Jacob Elordi in it. <gasps> so He's a good actor. So there's a now, lot of stuff. What's Carrie Mulligan in? Gary yeah. Mulligan is in the movie The Maestro, which is directed by Bradley Cooper. With which, Bradley Cooper. Okay. Uh, which is also coming out, but that's, yeah, it's a Netflix release, but they're going to be releasing it in theaters before it comes on Netflix. Okay. Same uh, thing, there's a movie called May, December. Yes, with, with Natalie with Portman. With Natalie Portman and uh, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore, same thing. It, they're going to release it in theaters before it comes out on Netflix. So a lot okay. of high profile films coming your yeah, way. Yeah, no, I read it online discussion about Lily Gladstone's performance and there was uh, the commentary was Rashmi didn't care for it clearly that was a raspberry that was Rashmi's raspberry sound (laughs) yeah we're not on video it sounded like I had dropped my guts (laughs) the the comment made was Lily Gladstone was going to have some real competition from Emma Stone Mm -hmm. in Poor Poor Things Things and Carey Mulligan in Maestro. Maestro yeah good times I love the fourth quarter it's exhausting but it's when I guess the movie wallers within us are at their happiest. All right. Okay. Too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs>